Awakening Spirituality. It's a safe, supportive space to deepen our connection to source, ourselves, and to others, and to grow in wisdom and understanding. It's a place to celebrate, question, and grow. Welcome back to Awakening Spirituality and our February podcast for 2021. This month, we want to challenge your beliefs by talking about the spirituality of food. We will explore the spiritual connection of food and how a decision to change your lifelong lifestyle habits can effectively change the outcome and quality of your life, eliminating and reversing disease in the body and taking responsibility for our connection to animal welfare and climate change. This is a cutting edge show and our discussion today, it's meant to open your mind and have you consider your role as a creator in your life story and actively participate in your own health and welfare and to help let go of preconceived notions that have driven us for so long and how all of this relates to and affects your own spiritual journey. Hello to our ambassadors of the power of food, the dynamic duo who are the support system to many, spreading the word about the healing power of plants, Jim and Janet Poirier. Welcome to Awakening Spirituality. This topic is near and dear to my heart, and I'm positive we could just explore it all day, but I'm going to try and narrow it down, and we're going to talk about the spirituality of food, and I can think of no better people to do this with. And I'm so thankful that the both of you could clear your schedules to talk to us today on our podcast. Well, thank you, Heather. We're really excited to be with you too. Jim and I are honored to be asked to be with you today in your audience. And we've been on quite a journey over the past number of years. We're both now retired, Jim from his ministerial career and me from 40 years or more in healthcare. And I was an RN, recently retired um, from oncology in Hamilton. We live in the beautiful and peaceful Blue Mountains, Ontario now, where we love. We regularly commune with nature here. It's, it's, it's a gorgeous area. So we're able to walk, bike, canoe, kayak, swim, and cross-country ski now that it's uh, beautiful snowy weather right now. COVID-19 has really put a hamper on many of the outdoor activities that we would love to be spending with our family more. Um, including our three wonderful grandchildren who we're not seeing as much as we hope. Oh, that's such a lovely part of our country. Uh, both of you sound very busy and I must say very accomplished. So I'm very happy to have the both of you here today. Um, really looking forward to this discussion. Please tell us what brought you to this path. I, I'd love to know the story about how you came to change your way of thinking about food. Hi, Heather. Uh, Hi. 12 years ago, I found myself in a life and death situation resulting in the need for triple bypass surgery. Despite having then learned about the work of Dr. Caldwell Esselstein and his book, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, our life and work and stress continued. Two years later, I had more chest pain. I required three stents to repair badly progressed coronary artery blockages. It was then that we dusted off the book and began to seriously consider our options to take control of our health through dietary changes. And I must add, there was very little support in regards to diet from my medical professionals. 
We were both raised in homes that supported the basic standard American diet. My French and Italian heritage was very connected to traditional food choices. Janet was raised in a Southern Ontario farm where they ate the traditional meat and potato diet. Although our foods were local and grass fed, her family was plagued with heart disease and arthritis. We both enjoyed many comfort foods, including yummy white refined flour desserts, rich cheesy and meat heavy diets. My family all had various forms of cancer, heart disease, kidney disease and diabetes, and they were on a slew of medications. Those health cares you mentioned are pretty serious and I'm sorry to hear about the struggles you went through. Although if I think about it, disease seems to be the norm in today's society rather than the exception, unfortunately. And I think that the standard American diet is what most people had growing up. I know we had it. Um, it's what was accepted by everyone to be healthy food or so we were told at the time. Could you tell us more about Dr. Esselstyn and his message? Dr. Esselstyn, he really proposed that heart disease didn't need to happen. He said that that and other chronic diseases could, could not only be prevented, but oftentimes reversed by eating predominantly a whole food plant-based diet. So we decided we would start to avoid animal foods and highly processed foods, all these being high in salt, fat, sugar. And they're so common on the standard American diet. Everybody eats this way. Soon we learned of others also who shared similar beliefs, and they included professionals like Dr. Colin Campbell, Dr. Dean Ornish, Dr. John McDougall, Dr. Neil Bernard, Dr. Michael Greger, just to, to name a few. And their studies and shared evidence um, showed that through scientific peer-reviewed studies, these claims were backed up. And so many did experience disease control and reversal. And we watched documentaries, there were forks over knives, what the health, conspiracy, the game changers. These pioneers shared testimonies of those lives, many lives that were changed by their findings. So 10 years later, here we are. Uh, Jim no longer has identifiable heart disease and we are at an ideal body weight for being healthy. We require no medications. I no longer have arthritis that was crippling me. We both are very active. We are, um, go for walks daily. We are really ready and excited to be living out our retirement years here with good health and with energy. And we enjoy the sustainable way of living without need to cut calories, without um, really having to concentrate heavily on every day what we eat, it becomes a natural thing. So it's not a diet, it's become a lifestyle for us. My connection to healthcare and the love of science that I've had inspired me to continue study and I still read a lot and, and learn a lot. I received a plant-based certification through E. Cornell University and we've been excited to share our story with others. It seems selfish just to keep it to ourselves. Oh, that's incredible. You two sound like the perfect couple to share this message. I'm so inspired by this and I'm sure the people you bring your message to are as well. It's, it's just so positive. All right. So Food is something that everyone consumes to stay alive. Get that. And there are so many different foods to choose from. Wasn't until relatively recently that I actually started to think about where my food came from, how it's produced. And then after that, how's the food I'm eating actually affecting my body? Is this what we mean by the spirituality of food? Heather, there's a lot to think about when it comes to the food we eat. It can be a very touchy and personal subject as people 
have many varying thoughts and opinions about food and how it impacts their lives. We have been caught in a matter of fact culture, thinking that we needed to eat animals to be healthy. We do not initially connect spirituality with food. As we learn more about our food choices, we started to make the connections. Paying closer attention to our food choices for our health opened us to be more consciously mindful and aware of our food choices for other reasons. Three or more times a day, we make decisions about food. Every food choice requires thought. Is it healthy for me? Is it hurting me? Before we tended to eat unconsciously, we did not think about where our food came from, how it was produced, how it affected our body, mind, and spirit. Our food came processed in convenient little packages loaded with salt, sugar, and fat. Much of it came in the form of meat, cheese, and dairy. Not much thought was required. But we now feel that it is our personal responsibility for our own food choices. Deciding to eat more mindfully and consciously suddenly began to make sense. We've been told as well what to eat since the day we were born. Our parents fed us what they thought was good for us. The food industry convinced us what to eat through carefully crafted advertising, which really reinforced our need for those so-called healthy foods. Convenience, status, habit, pleasure, taste, tradition, social connections, food addictions, and money are very powerful motivators that have driven our society's food choices. This mostly animal-based lifestyle promoting our most common diseases, including obesity, have been called the diet of kings and queens. It's often the results of um, the diseases produced by this, this diet lifestyle have been called diseases of affluence. As a result, we live within a culture where one in three are getting heart disease, one in two have some form of cancer diagnosis in their life, one in two are either diagnosed pre-diabetic or diabetic, and obesity is now starting in childhood and has progressed to include about 70% of the population. Many diseases such as autism, dementia, autoimmune illness, and others are becoming so commonplace in our culture and society. And the ever complicated and expensive responsibility for treating these illnesses seems to rest predominantly on big pharma, medical profession, insurance companies, and the government. The burden of the healthcare system is stretching everyone to its limits. And well-meaning medical doctors and professionals are trained to manage these diseases with little attempt to prevent many of the common chronic diseases. Medical doctors receive minimal training in nutrition and very few actually follow or even prescribe this for their patients. Jim was very fortunate to also connect with a plant-based cardiologist here close to us near Bracebridge, Ontario. And he's doing wonderful things within his uh, patients and promoting the lifestyle into the community as well. So we're pretty excited about that. And as a result of all this, we started to ask ourselves, like, how is this affecting our spiritual life? That's a very good question. So why then does the connection between plant-based eating and spiritual development, why does that appear to be so strong? We as a society have become so comfortably unaware of the impact our choices have made on ourselves and others. But we need to ask, are we thinking about our responsibility in contributing to our own human pain and suffering through chronic disease? Are we thinking about the effects of animal agriculture on us and the environment? 
And what about the cruelty and abuse, not only to animals, but to workers in the industry, where over 70 billion animals are killed every year? Are we thinking about the escalating incidence of zoonic diseases related to cruel, overcrowded, bacteria and virus-laden conditions promoting disease? Are we thinking of deforestation happening to create more land space, to grow more food, to feed more animals for food, while many in our world continue to starve from food shortages? Yes, there is enough and to spare. Are we acknowledging the amount of water required to raise and process animals for our consumption? Are we thinking about the effects of the pollution created in these processes that directly lead to damaging climate change? Some say 51% of climate change is attributed to the animal industry. Are we thinking about how this is affecting the peace of our planet? How can this comfortable unawareness not be connected to our own spirituality? As we began a whole food plant-based diet, we evolved spiritually. We started to um, think of it as a lifestyle instead of a diet, of course, and it affected us to the core. We believe that all living beings on the earth were created out of love and compassion. One doctor, Dr. Dean Ornish, helped us to understand that a whole food plant-based lifestyle includes four interconnected pillars. The first one being a whole food plant-based diet, the second one about exercise and movement, spiritual practices such as yoga, tai chi, and meditation helped us with our stress management. And we gain support through love of others in a community that can share this with us. These four elements are evident in the blue zones where people in loving communities live long, healthy, happy and healthy lives. And in a respectful condition with nature in harmony with God's creation and each other. So through the writings of people like Fred Rogers, better known as Mr. Rogers to many of us, uh, we learn the necessity of kindness towards every living creature, including animals. He said that he became vegetarian because he couldn't see himself eating anything that has a mother or a face. Anything with a mother or a face has a spirit and a soul. We need to realize that all creation is grace with a spirit and energy that deserves our love, respect, and dignity. He had the ability to address young and old alike in the art of being compassionate and caring. Boy, he sure did. <laughs> Those are some great points that I can relate to. I, I feel sometimes that there's a disconnection in spirituality. Like it's an abstract thing, kind of divorced from our everyday actions. And this disconnect allows people to consider themselves spiritual while continuing to consume animal products. Having our beliefs and actions in a misalignment, it, that can be distressing. So how do you think we can bring these two things maybe closer together? I'd like to share with you an excerpt from a book called The World Peace Diet by Dr. Will Tuttle. He is an environmentalist and activist dedicated to living more consciously, blending mindfulness with kindness and respect for each other and all expressions of life on the planet, thus promoting a greater sense of peace, justice, harmony, and freedom. He writes, the most universal spiritual teaching found cross-culturally to virtually all the world's religious tradition is based on the truth of our interconnectedness. It is present both positively 
in what we refer to as the golden rule, do unto others as we would have them do unto us, simply stated, we can never expect to be spiritual happy if we cause suffering to others, to be spiritually free if we confine others, to be spiritually healthy if we cause sickness in others, to be spiritually prosperous if we steal from others, or to have peace if we are violent to others and cause them to be afraid." End quote. As the Buddhists say, whatever seeds we plant and nurture through the actions of our body, speech, and mind will grow. And we will experience their fruits in our lives as abundant joy, love, and inner peace, or anger, misery, pain, and lack. In the book of Matthew, we read, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. As we free others, we become free. As we love others, we are loved. As we encourage others, we are encouraged. As we bless others, we are blessed. As we bring joy to others, we find joy and healing in our own lives. We attended a, a service not long ago and were asked to bring the prayer for peace at that service. And so related to Dr. Will Tuttle's guidance here that Jim has just read, I said a prayer there and I wanted to share that prayer with you. Dear Lord, as we gather together this morning, we sing songs of praise and we pray prayers of thanksgiving. And we celebrate the beauty of your loving creative hand present in all things. Blinded by our own self-centeredness and selfishness, we sometimes fail to see the interconnectedness we share with all people, animals, and all creation. This can result in abused, bruised, and broken souls. Encourage us to open our spiritual eyes to see, to feel, and appreciate your loving heart extended to us and to all your creation. May we strive to respectfully care for each other and to value all the aspects of our world bringing to it and all its inhabitants more love, peace, justice, harmony, and joy. Amen. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I love that you live this spirituality. And what strikes me even more is the sharing you two do together in this spiritual lifestyle. I feel that I, you're not only helping others, but you're encouraging and supporting each other as well. So, the core of all religions supports leaving animal products off our plates. The major religions have a rule along the lines of treat others as you would like to be treated, as you said, and thou shall not kill. Do you think that these rules apply to animals or did God, did he put them here for us to eat? I'm going to quote a little bit from Genesis here. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird in the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. So it would appear from reading this that God gave creation plants to eat, but did not say to eat animals. But while in my profession as a minister, I took part in many a sacrament that we called potluck. 
So I'm not sure that our understanding of Genesis has been lived out as intended. Perhaps humans have confused having dominion over animals with the authority or right to use them as food. Are humans assuming a place of status or privilege? When we are fully alert in the spirit, mind and body, which a whole food plant-based lifestyle provides, moments of awareness occur as a dawn of meaning and this leads us to a healthy spiritual religion. This awakening is absolutely necessary to reconnect us to our origins and to all creation. Put in a slightly other way, um, we like the readings of, of Richard Rohr, and he calls this uh, a need to reframe our narrative. The world's current framing story tells us that the purpose of life is for individuals or nations to accumulate, to get more to have an abundance of possessions, to experience the maximum amount of pleasure during the maximum number of minutes of our short lives. If our framing story tells us that we are in a life-death competition with each other, then we will have little reason to be even seeking any reconciliation and collaboration and nonviolent resolutions to these conflicts that we have. But if our framing story tells us that we are free and responsible creatures and a creation made by a loving creator, that our creator wants us to pursue virtue. He wants us to collaborate with peaceful means and mutual care for one another and all living creatures. And that our lives can have profound meaning if we align ourselves with God's wisdom, character and dreams for us. Then our society will take a radically different direction and our world would become a different place. These are all great points leading to a great spiritual awakening if we listen. Some suggest that when we eat animal products, we're eating the negative vibrations of an animal which suffered, and we take that into our bodies. Is there a shift in consciousness when a person stops consuming animal products? Do we maybe have a higher vibration or that clear conscience when we eat differently? It's interesting, Heather, as I read and learn more about food, uh, studies are ongoing and they also explore the relationship of food on our own gut microbiome. The fiber in our plants that we eat, plant-based foods, um, they feed our healthy gut bacteria and the production of healthy short chain fatty acids. These are very good for us. Conversely, a diet heavy in meat and dairy containing no fiber results in endotoxins building up, inflammation and leaky gut and diseases. A strong gut microbiome promotes nutrient absorption and hormonal responses, such as the production of serotonin and dopamine. And these are the feel-good hormones that we're kind of familiar with when we, when we feel good. It's those hormones that are speaking. We have a powerful gut-brain connection, and it's been suggested that over 70% of our nervous system resides in our gut. Therefore, the effects on our thoughts and emotions can also be a result of a good, healthy gut, good or bad. How we think about our food, food and our relationship to it also turns out to be quite influential on our nervous system. Lower incidence of depression, anxiety and improvement in our happiness has been shown as positive responses to a healthy gut microbiome. It's interesting to note that our recently updated Canada's Food Guide was just put out in 2019. And aside from recommending a more plant-centered diet for optimum health, it also suggests that health is influenced by being more mindful, not only in our food choices, but to the environment in which we eat and how we eat. 
So in other words, sitting down with meals with family, promoting a sense of love and gratitude, and then uh, much, more or much more beneficial to us than eating on the run, in front of computer, or under stressful situations. In fact, there have been recent studies showing that simply by walking outside in a forest, we can reduce our inflammation in our body. Cortisol is one of those hormones that, that causes inflammation and is a result of, of stress. It's also been discovered that simply breathing in the volatile compounds from trees called phytonicides, these have essential oils in them and they have the ability to enter our bloodstream and to bolster our natural killer cells that fight off bacteria, viruses, and even cancer cells. Our relationship to God's environment can go so much farther than we ever dreamed was possible as we start to connect with the sacredness of our healing environment that we live in. I'm gonna go back to Dr. Tuttle in his book, uh, The World uh, Peace Diet. He suggests that there's a spirit and energy in all things, including trees and animals. We have come from a herding culture where people sought power and wealth through the ownership of animals. Domination, abuse, and killing has penetrated the animal industry, requiring a sense of emotional disconnect from any sense of cruelty we may be causing. Dr. Tuttle says when we eat animals, we also eat the energy of fear and cruelty that the animals suffered. This in turn affects our human consciousness and subsequent actions. Today, slaughterhouses and killing operations are separated from us physically and emotionally for fear that people may be appalled by the terrible treatment that they may see happening to animals. Humans have celebrated and loved their pets even to the point of putting them out of their misery or suffering if needed. We mourn their loss as a valued part of our family. Why are pigs, cows, chickens, or fish any different? They all have a face and a mother, all experience fear, pain, separation, loneliness, and are a part of a community. They have a soul. Why are these animals treated as a commodity by us humans? Okay, I hear you here. And I, for one, totally agree. We, uh, we've had chickens here on our farm, and I've wondered the same thing. What, what, what are we doing here? So this is one I can really, really identify with. So can you tell me some examples of the way we treat animals having serious repercussions for our society? Well, animal foods, they are... Um, laden in chemicals, antibiotics, many are gen genetically modified, along with all the highly processed foods that we eat. Most are filled with sh sugar, fat, salt. They've been identified and deemed by decades of science scientific peer-reviewed studies as being highly addictive, very inflammatory, and also disease-producing. So the benefits of eating a whole food plant-based diet and that this lifestyle can trickle down to many other aspects in our life, including into our spirits. So we could actually reduce the incidence of chronic disease by over 80% eating a more plant-based diet. We could also improve the quality of life for everyone. We can produce adequate affordable food for all in a much better situation for the planet. We could decrease the cost and burden on our healthcare system. We could be eliminating animal suffering by reducing and elim eliminating the need for animal agriculture at all. 
and we could reduce climate change. And one thing that's very, um, very much in our face right now with COVID-19 being in the forefront, we recognize that there is a connection to zoonic diseases and the production of these bacteria and viruses that have caused things from SARS, swine flu, bird flu, etc. More total greenhouse gases are produced within the animal agriculture than all modes of transportation combined. With the reduction in the carbon footprint required to support animal agriculture, this could be the best fight against global warming as we attempt to address the progression of the first human-induced sixth extinction on our planet. Now and fast forward. We are currently seeing species extinction averaging 100 species per day. And this includes animals and plants. In 2015, the World Health Organization supported both claims declared through evidence-based studies that processed meats are a class one carcinogen in the same category as cigarette smoking and asbestos, and that all meats are probably carcinogens. And they also recommend that the most impactful and compassionate thing that we can do as a human species to combat global warming is to stop eating animals. All these changes really require us to think more deeply, to tap into our own humanity and our spirituality, and to think about how we are, right? how we are compassionate. Are we caring? Do we express kindness? Are we having love? Often we are challenged to make difficult decisions and changes that don't always feel normal, don't always feel comfortable or easy. Dr. Dr. Tuttle states, the most obvious and non-controversial characteristics of animal agriculture is that it's a system in which humans exploit animals for food. Whenever we purchase and eat animal foods, we are actually paying for and contributing to this ongoing exploitation. The consequences of this can be addressed on five levels. Dr. Tuttle explains this well in his book. We're gonna go through those five consequences that he's talking about that produce exploitation in animals. So the first consequence is on our health, our physical health. So being compelled from infancy to eat animal foods, we're more likely to develop heart disease, cancer, autoimmune diseases, dementia, and other chronic diseases, which fuel hundreds of billions of dollars of profits annually for pharmaceutical industries, banks, financial institutions, all in the background. We are also more susceptible to zoonic diseases predisposed by unsanitary conditions of animal agriculture. This spreads bacteria and virus and with 75% of the world's antibiotics being used in animal agriculture, this adds a great risk of increased antibiotic resistance, putting our own human, human lives at risk of disease and no treatable antibiotics to fix them. The next consequence is on the environment. Animal agriculture is well recognized to be the single most environmentally devastating human activity, destroying forests, oceans, aquifers, soil quality, climate stability, and propelling the max extinction of species through massive habitat destruction. Animal agriculture creates more greenhouse gases than the entire transportation industry combined. Large agribusiness corporations, closely connected to political power, remain financially bound to increase exploitation for financial benefit, 
with little regard for the health of the earth or its inhabitants, producing large amounts of chemicals, pesticides, fertilizers that continue to devastate our water, land, and air quality. The third consequence involves our cultural health. So because animals are profoundly, animal agriculture is profoundly wasteful of oil, water, land, and food, we have chronic food shortages in the world, even though we grow more than enough to feed everyone. If we ate plant-based foods rather than just feeding it to the livestock, there would be no food shortages for anyone. Food shortages are recognized as the primary driving force behind much of the conflict also that goes on in the world. It's a direct cause of refugees, social breakdowns and human trafficking. The very first word for war going back 10,000 years ago, it's an ancient word, gavya, meaning literally the desire for cows. Economic injustice, war, hunger, domination of women, and the domination by a privileged ruling elite are all linked to animal herding around which we still organize our societies with. Should we not be using our economic surplus to instead revitalize our ecosystem, rebuild infrastructure, and assure adequate housing, food, education, healthcare, and an opportunity for everyone. The fourth consequence is on our psychological health. We avoid making the dreaded connection between what we are eating and what it took to get it to our plate. Instead, we repress our natural empathy and caring for others and become gullible and uncritical consumers. We chose to have the attitude that beings are not beings, but rather mere commodities that we buy and sell by the pound. We are compelled to eat dairy, eggs and meat, products that require abuse of animal mothers, being forcibly inseminated, then steal their babies, destroying the sacred mother-child bonds. We eat products of misery, fear, despair, insomnia, frustration, and chronic pain. And industry profits come from treating these conditions of despair, trauma, insomnia, depression, and chronic pain. Last but not least, he talks about exploitation on our spiritual health. So our true nature is really to be eternal expressions of consciousness. In every meal, including animal-based foods, erodes the basic connection to our true self. By being required to repeatedly and ritually reduce our magnificent expressions of life on this planet to mere meat on our plate, devoid of value or purpose, we break our connection with the interconnected web of life that is celebrated on the earth. A false purpose has been forced on us by the culture in which we are born to continue the hurting culture, asking us to exploit and consume without accountability to ourselves, our children, the animals, or the earth. As a result, we drastically reduce our capacities intellectually, emotionally, morally, and spiritually to fulfill our potential and to create freedom, joy, health, and sustainability. It's gradually changing as life goes on, as people become more aware. And we're aware when this happens of a greater amount of healing and an awakening that happens within us. Whenever we eat animal food of any kind, free range, wild caught, factory farmed. It's all cut from the same cloth of exploitation. This ends when we awaken from the cultural program 
of exploiting other living beings and to create a more plant-based way of eating and understand the reasons behind it. Exploiting animals, we exploit and delude ourselves. But if we free animals, we are actually freeing ourselves. Okay, so I see it's not only about us. There's so much more to it. Um, I understand um, that you also have a great support system for people who want to change their lives or who are maybe thinking about changing their lives. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, we call that ministry. We begin this ministry by speaking to individuals and with various groups about the benefits of a plant-based lifestyle. We continue to be open to these opportunities. This evolved into a monthly meetup in Barrie, Ontario. Our numbers were small and constantly in flux. But when the pandemic hit, we moved this to a meetup online. This opened up an opportunity for more widespread participation from across North America. Changing habits developed over our entire lives can be a difficult transition for many. Some feel offended that their paradigm is being challenged. Being asked to make changes that are challenging can make many feel uncomfortable. And getting over addictive comfort food is extremely difficult without ongoing support. We find it's really important to have a why, to understand the whys, um, and, and this brings purpose and, and needed change. And it can be, a why can mean a healthier body, a healthier mind, a healthier spirit, or just to make the world a better place for everyone. Education is always helpful to make this transition easier and we make it our aim to continue to learn and to share all that we've discovered. We point people to the boatload of supportive materials that are available. So many books, so many websites are available to help. Knowledge is power. And there are also many Facebook groups to connect with, including our own, the one that we post on kind of regularly called Plant-Based Nutrition 101. Feeling part of the community that helps to support others who are seeking and who have like-minded goals as we do. That's something to be proud of. How great is it that you're out there doing this work just for the love of doing this work and helping others? Kudos to the both of you. I would love to hear some success stories about eating plant-based and how it has helped physically and spiritually. Our list grows every day. Many regain self-confidence and have improved energy to thrive in their careers. Many have regained their self-esteem. Many have recovered from debilitating arthritis. Some have reversed diabetes and reduced their, reduced their insulin requirements. One has reversed stage four cancer and now operates her own plant-based food business. Many have lost weight and now exercise daily. One reduced her dependency on sugary soft drinks. Many are now able to participating in their own spiritual disciplines as a result of a changing lifestyle. Many, including me, have reversed heart disease and are able to fully participate in life. Many experience community in our monthly meetings and have ongoing support in a plant-based community. Still, many have come to the edge saw what was required and decided not to engage in this lifestyle. We remain there for them whenever and however they want to jump back in. Outstanding. I just, I love that. That is just wonderful. So what 
is the one main message that you would like to express to our listeners? Well, Jim and I are really grateful for having been introduced to a whole food plant-based lifestyle in the first place and for the healing that we both experienced. So our hope is for everyone to have this opportunity to learn about the power in this lifestyle to improve and promote all aspects of health, not only for us, uh, but for others, for animals, and ultimately how we sustain our earth for our children in the future. Armed with this knowledge, all may become more consciously awakened and live our best life and our best spiritual connection to our creator. Dr. Campbell actually coined the term whole in a whole food plant-based lifestyle. Um, his, as he describes the food we eat as being whole foods. However, I like to think that the word whole has a multifaceted meaning. So as many of, as members of the human family, we need to learn how to consciously connect the many dots towards the connection between physical health, mindful health, spiritual health, and this is wholeness. To this day, Hippocrates, the father of medicine is remembered for his wise counsel when he said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. But even more importantly, he said, are you willing to give up the things that made you sick? So eating is a spiritual practice that we do it at least three times a day, maybe more. And in this light, it has the power to connect us to each other and to the rest of creation. And the benefits are boundless. Awesome, awesome. Could you let us know how to contact you? Well, we can be reached, Heather, um, through our emails. Uh, JanetPoria52 at gmail.com is mine. And we do interact with many people individually as well as in groups. Uh, we also have an online Zoom meeting on the second last Thursday of every month. And these Zooms can be accessed through meetup.com as well and through Facebook. Um, the Facebook page, Plant-Based Nutrition 101, is a really good connective site where people can share thoughts, post recipes, and interact with each other. I have uh, actually have access when if people want to know that the people that I spoke about um, all have books, all have websites, um, and as I said, there are boatloads of information for people to access about a whole food plant-based lifestyle. Wonderful. I'll make sure to include those in the show notes so everyone can take a look at them. Yeah, it's wonderful. So I just want to thank you both for joining us today, spreading the word. Heather, it's been our pleasure. Um, we, we live this lifestyle. We enjoy the benefits of this lifestyle, and we want to share it with everyone that we come in contact with. We're so happy that you're doing what you're doing and spreading the word of awakening people's spirituality. And we're just so happy to be a small corner of that world that you're in too. Thank you. Thank you so much, Heather. It was a wonderful experience and we wish you all the best in your endeavors. There you have it, Awakening Spirituality Seekers, our podcast on the spirituality of food. And oh, what a podcast it was. Jim and Janet Poirier took us through the many aspects of a plant-based lifestyle and what it means from a food and health, animal welfare, and climate change perspective. 
Who knew that exploring the spirituality of food would give us so much to consider? And I'd have to agree when they say that you start in one area, such as eating plant-based foods for health, and then the doors open up to other areas. My husband and I started this lifestyle over a year ago. We stopped eating the standard American diet that kept me in a constant state of inflammation. I just had anaphylactic shock from the rabies vaccine. I was bit by a dog, <laughs> which then in turn gave me meningitis. So I was at an all-time low health-wise. And while I was lying in bed in extreme pain, I decided I needed to take control of my health and turn things around. Honestly, I was just waiting to die. It would have been a relief from the constant pain. So we had previously been watching the plant-based documentaries and one by one, the seed was planted and I just needed to take action. It seems that being in excruciating pain is what helped me make my decision. So we went all in. And within a few weeks, I said goodbye to all my medications and hello to feeling younger and pain free. Gone was my meningitis. The doctor didn't recognize me when I went for my follow-up appointment. And gone was my extremely painful arthritis. I couldn't eat a raw vegetable. I was in so much jaw pain. I eliminated my TMJ problems, IBS, GERD, bloating, migraines, perimenopause problems, back pain, and even snoring, my husband tells me. <laughs> I look healthier and my complexion has changed completely. As a bonus, I've lost 20 pounds and I have more energy. So this decision snowballed into us reassessing our hobby farm goals, eventually finding a good home for our laying hens and choosing not to grow broiler chickens anymore and this ceased our side income. We just couldn't in good conscience continue as we had been. So we've refocused our farm into producing more plants, mostly herbs, that I dry, dehydrate, and our stable and our barn sit empty. Although I'm thinking that possibly it would be a good refuge, maybe sanctuary for some alpacas and donkeys to live a good life, maybe as pets. We're taking a permaculture course to work with the land naturally. So this is truly a lifestyle change and not a diet. I had a friend who went over to the plant-based eating, which is wonderful, and she asked me what I eat on my cheat days. I just, I couldn't fathom what that meant because if you're doing this right, there are no cheat days. People wanna know what they can get away with without it causing a problem. Like, I can't give up cheese. I don't like beans. You know, it's this is a big decision and they want good news about their bad habits. Why would I ever wanna make myself sick again? I guess the results are directly proportionate to what you put into the lifestyle and they're predictable. If you start by eliminating red meat, you may feel slightly better, but if you commit to eliminating all animal proteins from your diet, the results are nothing short of miraculous. People may not understand how quickly your body responds so amazingly fast to these changes. I would suggest maybe joining the Forks Over Knives Facebook page. I've been so inspired by people posting their stories there most change for health reasons. And then it's amazing. They become enlightened. And so they change so many more aspects to their lives. It's, it's so inspiring. I, I would check that out if you can. Also, check out the links, the documentaries, the books that Jim and Janet have recommended. 
and I'll put them in the show notes for you. These folks, they know what they're talking about. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. It would also be helpful to us if you could rate and review our podcast on whatever platform you listen on. When you do that, it brings more traffic to our podcast so it can be shared with more people. We'd love to hear your questions or comments. Please submit them to us at heather at awakeningspirituality.ca. Plus, stop by our website at www.awakeningspirituality.ca and join our Facebook page, Awakening Spirituality, for updates on spiritual development circles, workshops, conferences, and events. Take care, my friends. Until next time.